0: good yo how you guys doing man it's your boy mookie i'm out here back in los angeles just got back from north carolina was on the road doing some shows tour has been popping with the lucas brothers the brick city tour we are 11 shows down and i don't know man like 30 more to go at least it's been a wild time. North Carolina, beautiful place. We went all over, man. We were in Charlotte, we were in Wilmington, we were in Raleigh, we were in Greensboro. I think I even I lost track, man. Comedy Zone, Dead Crow, amazing venues. Had so much fun out there. Shout out to uh, Shadi Diaz. Showed us around a little bit. She's an awesome comic, originally from the Bronx, now down in uh, in North Carolina, doing her thing. Showed us around a little bit. Uh, we also did a pop-up show Sunday night at King's in Raleigh, which was so much fun. It the first time we actually saw a comedy community out there, which is cool to see. Comics supporting each other and putting on awesome shows. It was fun, man. It reminded me of a Brooklyn show out in North Carolina. Uh, we all killed it. And then we went over to UNC, where, oh boy it was a totally different experience, let me tell you. People have been talking a lot about how colleges are sensitive to any type of edgy material, and it is worse than you can imagine. They were (laughs) <laughs> these kids were horrified by my comedy I, it literally sounded like they were watching nightmare on elm street you could hear screams going through the room i would set up a joke and there was pockets of the room it's not like i wasn't completely bombing there was pockets of the room that were laughing hysterically mostly like the dudes who got it and then you would just hear gasps and awes, and then i would hit the punchline to literal screams, like "Oh no!" Just waves of terrified young children, and I realize what it is. It's not a. I don't think it's our culture becoming more and more PC. You know what it is? Everyone in there was eighteen to twenty years old, and the fact of the matter is, if you're under twenty-one, you're a loser. <laughs> That's just the way it is, man. I was a loser when I was under twenty-one You don't have any experiences. These kids have never even been outside, bro. They've never done anything. They've never had a hand job, half of them. Until you've had some life experience, don't go judging my comedy. All right? Let me just put it that way. Because you're wrong, bro. Everything I'm saying is funny, (laughs) whether you like it or not. But it was a fun time anyway. North Carolina is dope. Tour has been awesome. The one thing that I'm really not loving is all the flying. So many planes, bro. Planes give me anxiety. Not because I'm afraid that we're going to crash or anything. I'm totally confident in air travel. I just cannot stand these animals that you are caged amongst. Other people on planes are just unbelievable, dude. Why does it take 30 minutes to get up and get off the goddamn plane? This drives me absolutely insane. Once you've already arrived at your destination and it goes, bing, everyone starts to get up. You hear all the clitter clatter of just fat morons trying to figure out how to lift a suitcase, stand, and walk three steps down a goddamn aisle. It's ridiculous, man. It's so inefficient. Just you stand, bag, aisle, move. That's it. You move your ass. It should take half the time that it takes to get on to get off. It's you just get up and go, baby. Uh, (laughs) That drives me insane. But really, the worst offense, the absolute worst offense, in my opinion, uh, being a passenger on a plane, is touching... The person next to you. If your body at any point ever comes into contact with the person that you're sitting next to on a plane, you're human trash. It's just, there is a very clear boundary between what is my space and what is your space. And I'm not even talking about armrest. Nobody gets the armrest. The armrest is for nobody. That's a barrier between my body and your disgusting body. You do not... Come in contact with me for any reason. You know what I'm saying? If you got to take off your sweater, you got to pull that both arms in the air, sweater up over the head like you're a praying mantis. I can't stand it when somebody touches me. You know when you're trying to sleep on a plane, it's already hard enough as it is. And you finally just get, you finally just start to zone out. You're like in another world. And then, boom, you get elbowed. Oh, motherfucker. I'll ignore it. Okay, I'll ignore it. I'll give you five, I'll give you five free touches and then you're going to get some shit. I had to tell this old ass lady, I, and I, you know, I feel bad about it, but I just had to say, miss, please stop touching me. I said it just like that. And she was like shocked that I would even speak to her in this way, but I gave her five bro. I gave her five free ones. And then yesterday, this, this dude, he got me he got me on the leg. You know, the leg swings over. If your leg is in my leg spot, bro, I will kill you. Keep your leg out of my leg spot. So he hit me with the leg a couple times. I was like, oh, this guy doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing. He's hitting me with the leg. And then he comes at me with the elbow, a couple little elbows. And so then this time, I didn't even say anything to this guy. I just took my neck pillow and stuck it in between us. I was like, all right, now you're getting pillowed out. And he had to just ride with my pillow up on his shit the whole time. Because like, yo, I'm putting a literal barrier between me and you. You animal. Anyway, I hate flying. I always try to just pass out. But my problem is I get way too stoned before I get on the plane. And then I can't sleep because I'm tripping balls. A few months ago, I was taking a flight from LA to New York. And I took these edible THC strips. I don't know if you've ever seen these. They look like a little Listerine strip in a thing. And so I'm like, I just really want to pass out. I don't want anybody touching me. And if they do, I want to be sedated enough that I'm not going to even notice. So I ate this entire package of THC strips. And then it turns out that they're like 45 milligrams each. So I was on like, I don't know, close to 300 milligrams of THC in one sitting which is an absolutely absurd amount. And so on top of it, I took like four Tylenol PMs because I'm like, I'm trying to pass out. So I never really fell asleep, but it basically felt like waking up in the middle of surgery. Like I was on anesthesia and (laughs) my brain was conscious, but my body couldn't function in any way. I was sitting in a middle seat, And I was also sitting next to someone who is, this is another huge scumbag move. This lady had her window shade up for the entire flight. Oh my God, I just, I want her to fall off the plane. So at one point, I'm in a complete coma, um, drooling everything, the whole nine yards. And then this lady decides that she has to go to the bathroom, which is perfectly fine, you know, but (laughs) I could not. Wake up! I she was tapping me on the shoulder, but it must have been for a while because when I finally noticed, she was like really tapping me. And you know how I feel about being touched on a plane, so she's tapping me, tapping me, and I finally come awake, and I'm like, huh? She's like, oh, I have to go use the bathroom. I'm like, all right. So I try to stand up, I can't get the seatbelt off. Right? I'm struggling with this seatbelt. I try to stand up. I'm like, oh, literally, like I'm like I'm some kind of fucking zombie. I stand up. I finally get the seatbelt off, I, and I realize that my headphone cord is wrapped around the armrest, so I stand up and then immediately go down, headfirst into the seat. Oh, the cord pulls me back down to the chair, and this lady has no idea what she's dealing with. I'm like completely out of my mind. Everyone on the plane starts looking over at this point, and like finally I manage to get out of there, and she goes to the bathroom. When she comes back from the bathroom, she's with a flight attendant. <laughs> And she starts picking up all of her stuff and she's like, I'm moving to another seat because I can't deal with whatever this is <laughs> talking about me. And I was just like, Bleh. Bleh, fuck you." I was just like, so still comatose. She walked away and then I ended up taking her window seat and slept like a baby the entire flight. <laughs> gotcha, motherfucker. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. And that one is a big victory for the move, man. Yeah, so I try I don't do the edibles anymore on a plane. You lose your goddamn mind. I've been vaping in the airport, though. <laughs> it's always terrifying every time. I take huge vape hits in the bathroom at the airport on the toilet and then try to blow the smoke down the toilet bowl as I flush. <laughs> it doesn't really work. I think I've heard of people getting caught uh, in the airport, vaping and shit, and they will definitely try to hold up your flight. Because if you're walking through the airport and anyone sees any type of smoke anywhere near you, people just automatically assume that you're about to burst into flames. So I understand, but I'm gu- I need to get high before I fly. I mean, I don't understand why there's not a designated area for this or something. But it's all about flying with vapes now. But what I realized is I fly with so many vape cartridges, but when I'm flying back in all these little podunk cities, they are not cool with that shit. If they find my, I'm going to basically be, I'm Pablo Escobar to these people in fucking North Carolina. I got to be more careful, man. It's like you can leave California with as much weed as you want in your luggage now, basically up to like a pound. But coming back, you (laughs) you better be careful, yo. Don't be so brave. Like just like it, even it could be the same exact bag. You could take your bag. You could sh- get on a plane from here to North Carolina. You don't even touch the bag. You never touch it. You never open it. And then you get back on a, on a flight from North Carolina to LAX, and you are a drug trafficker. All of a sudden, isn't that fucking ridiculous? You don't even have to. It's. It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, flying with weed. Yeah, I got tons of these vape cartridges, uh, from Absolute Extracts, uh, did a show at the Comedy Store last week, shout out to Sam Tripoli and Comedy Chaos, it was an incredible show, crazy ass lineup, and they just have endless free weed in the green room, Speed Weed and Absolute Extracts, you guys are the fucking shit, what an awesome show though man, uh. Me and Lucas Bros did a show with uh, Whitney Cummings, Chris Dalia, Tom Segura, Ari Shafir, Sam Tripoli, Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah, when we got there, I saw the lineup and I was last (laughs) after all these killers, which is a nightmare. But luckily, Ari Shafir showed up late and had to take a shower for some reason. Which I still don't really get, but so <laughs> I got his spot. So I was still at the end of the lineup, but at least I didn't have to didn't have to go dead last. So it was fun, man. It was awesome. You know they say you don't want to meet your heroes, and I think that is very true in most cases, except for stand-up comics. For me, because I mean, all the all the older comics that I met have just been have been dope. But I mean, back in. I used to be into the hardcore scene. You know, we used to idolize these bands as kids. And then you would eventually meet these guys, like the singers of, I won't drop any names (laughs) because I'm going to say some raw shit. But, We grew up idolizing all these different hardcore and punk bands and then eventually got to meet these guys and hang out with them. And some of them are just the biggest fucking dirtbags in the world. I was like 17 years old idolizing these bands that were popular in the 90s and then you would meet them and then they'd be trying to hook up with the same girls that I was hooking up with. Ridiculous, dude. It was a real messed up scene. And not just the girls either. They'd be trying to molest all the young boys as well. That's hardcore for you. (laughs) Let's see. Any scene just overly populated by grungy white dudes is oh the grimiest shit ever. Lower class white people are the grimiest people of all, without a doubt. Without a doubt. They say you don't want to meet your heroes, man. And it's kind of true. I met Scorsese once, and he was probably my favorite director at the time. Scorsese, Tarantino, Coen Brothers kind of my top, my top three. But I ended up working for Scorsese's production company, Sicalia, for one day as an intern. Uh, I got the job because I was actually an extra on the Fran Leibowitz documentary that Scorsese made. And they were doing this scene where she was entering a restaurant and they had like extras walking in and out. And Scorsese actually was directing me he literally came up to me and he was like, all right, I want you to just uh, walk through here. Uh, no big deal. From over there, to over there. And uh, all right. And so I saw this as my opportunity. I was like, oh, well, how do you want me to walk? He's like, you know, just walk. I was like, well, what do you want? You want me to, uh, you want me to saunter? You want me to strut a little bit? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to saunter, saunter. And he kind of laughed, which was, that was a big moment for me, man. I made Martin Scorsese laugh. <laughs> so I'm like, this guy's the best. And a couple of weeks later, my friend that hooked me up with the Fran Lieberwood thing, he's like, yeah, Scorsese needs an intern at his production company. Are you interested? I'll drop your name. So I got that job and I ended up going there and it was I had never had a real job of any kind at this point. I was still do, dealing underground poker and stuff like that in New York City. So. I went in there. Um, I remember one of the first things that happened was someone that works there was giving me like an orientation, showing me around. And he said, just so you know, this is never going to lead to anything. is <laughs> such a funny thing to tell an intern. It was, it was some fight club shit like you are not getting inside the house. And I'm supposed to stay there and be like, sir, yes, sir. I will take any amount of punishment. Go fuck yourself. But anyway, so that was just the first red flag. I'm like, all right, this is going to be bullshit. Um, and then they started going through my duties of what I would have to do for Scorsese throughout the day. So many weird things. He had this water jug in his office that they said needs to be refilled every 60 minutes. So every hour on the hour, you go refill Marty's water jug. Even if it's full, yo. If Even if it's full, you got to empty it, rinse it, and refill it. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, so he also had a cabinet in the kitchen that was literally full from floor to ceiling with Kleenex tissue boxes. And (laughs) they said very specifically, every day I would have to restock the tissue cabinet. Even if it's, there could be 200 boxes of tissues in there. If 210 fit, I got to go buy 10 more and restock it, make sure it's full. And they had to be white tissues in a tan box. They were very particular about this. The guy told me a few months ago, someone bought Marty tan tissues in a tan box and he freaked the fuck out. Okay, Marty, take it easy, dog. All right, and then last but not least, they said every day when Marty arrives at the office, he is driven by his driver in a limo and next to him in the limo would be a takeout bag where his lunch has been prepared by his chef at home. And so I would have to go down to the limo, as Marty would arrive each morning, pick up his lunch, which is sitting next to him, by the way, and carry it upstairs for him and then put it in his office. I mean, this level of pampering is just unnecessary. What are you trying to prove? It's an unpaid internship, and this is what you're making people do so that they can hopefully work at a place that will lead to nothing, as they say. I just find it ridiculous, man. I'll never do anything like that again. Well, I mean, obviously not now. I don't think they would have me as a 33-year-old intern. (laughs) (laughs) But, so, to boot, during all of this, they were actually developing the show Boardwalk Empire. And so now, I have a theory. It's completely... (laughs) unfounded, but you can't prove me wrong. In Boardwalk Empire, the lead character's name is Nucky Thompson. Does that sound familiar, bro? Does that sound a little familiar to you? All right. It's based on a guy named Enoch Johnson, who they apparently called Nucky, right? So even so, it's Nucky Johnson. When Marty met me, he certainly was introduced to me as Mookie. I remember this. He knew my name. People around the office knew my name. They stole my goddamn name, dude. I'm Nucky Thompson, baby. It ain't Nucky, baby. It's Mookie, yo. Steve Buscemi, you're a bitch, dog. Fuck you, dog. Steve Buscemi, why don't your suits fit? Why are your suits so big, yo? He's got wide-ass shoulders in his suits, but he's a skinny little motherfucker. How come... You've been 70 since you were 20, bro. You ain't Mookie, dog. And Marty. Marty, I thought we were boys, bro. Just going to take my name, just going to jack that shit. I'm going to see you when I see you, Marty. Yo! Good looking out, bro. You got this far. And now I'm going to introduce my guest today, one of my good friends, uh, writing partner of mine. And this guy is going to be a household name in Hollywood. Just, I'm calling it here first, man. This guy's going to be one of the biggest screenwriters uh, in the game. So this is my buddy. Chris Goodwin. What up, fam? What's
1: up? How's it going, man? For a second, I'm like, I don't even know if you know my last name. <laughs> what? <laughs> you the goods, baby. Exactly. Yeah. Because, like, no, I'm not, like, a last name person. Like, no one, like, ever called you me by my first name. This is the first time people start calling me Chris. I've always been, like, a nickname person.
0: You've always been a nickname person. So you just go by Chris and not Christopher.
1: No, I've always been called Chris. And then when I was um, in, like, sixth grade, I got a nickname that stuck basically all the way until I was, like, 23 kind of died when I moved to California, but I was, if you come back to where I grew up, you won't hear anybody call me Chris.
0: What'd they call you? Uh,
1: Goob, G-O-O-B. That was my nickname for a while. <laughs> Goob? Goob, yeah. That was a straight up nickname. My last name's Goodwin. I had to do a solo in fifth grade. I had to sing a song called Goober Peas, and that's what they call me, Goober, and then Goob. <laughs> and so if you ever come back home with me, you'll be like, go oh, what up, Goob, like you won't hear Chris. And Wow. Then, so it's a kind of a terrible nickname, man, like, Hey,
0: look, man. You're telling this story to a guy named Mookie. I know what you're talking about, man. I know your pain.
1: But Mookie was a baseball player, the character in a classic film. True. There's no Goob in a classic film. If he is, he's definitely like the butt of the jokes, you know?
0: Yeah, but what about there was a character in like a Nickelodeon show, My Brother and Me, his name is Goo.
1: Oh really? Yeah,
0: he was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, Goose sounds pretty cool, but yeah, you know, Goob's co- cooler than that.
0: Yeah, no gr- girls definitely don't want to fuck a dude named Goob. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> like a slightly autistic dude named Goob isn't do- isn't popping. <laughs> I mean, Mookie
0: doesn't really help me with the ladies. Not, I'll be
1: again. I, I think that's a good name, man. Like they
0: don't take it seriously. Like no yeah. girl wants to marry a guy. You don't. No woman wants to hear like at the altar. Do you take this Mook to yeah. be your lawfully wedded husband?
1: I, I, I do. Like tears in her eyes. I mean, he's all right. But. but but the thing is, though, Mookie's like, I'm sure like whenever you meet someone, you can kind of like flirt off. Like you can talk about it in like a funny way. Like Yeah,
0: it is a good uh, conversation starter. 100%. So how, you said when you came to California, you kind of lost the name Goob.
1: I, I did. Because I didn't really. I don't is like, that
0: why you moved?
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> 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 it's too hot for Goob and Lynn, man. You have to get, like, no, I, I just don't. I never introduced myself as it. You know what I mean, uh-huh. and so I stopped running. Obviously, yeah, it's a crazy thing to introduce yourself as. So I just started like just saying, "Oh, I'm Chris," and then like one of my friends visited me and stayed at like my dorm at at, at film school, and like um, he was like we were talking and like he's like, "Hey, go grab me a grab me a beer." And the California kids were like, what the fuck did he just call you? What? So it stuck for a couple of years. And I, I was like.
0: They followed you.
1: Yeah. So it followed me. But then like it was killed by my friend Rishi who started calling me Goods. And his goal, because I grew up with him, was to like get that name. They kill it in California. He didn't, he didn't want wow, to. Wow. So
0: this has been plaguing you for like your whole life. I guess. I I really- I'm just hearing this for the first time. We've been friends for a while yeah. now. You hid the goop.
1: I did hide it. You know what? I'm
0: actually, I'm touched that you uh, just bring it out like this on the podcast.
1: I haven't even thought about it really for like five, 10 years. I, I, I'm, I'm on a text thread with my friends from back home, like a fantasy football. We all do like... F- Fantasy football together And they'll call me Goob And I just don't even think about it Because like I've known those people for years But like Yeah I don't think about it But it was a nickname for, of mine For sure and, Well
0: uh, this week The show is called Goob looking
1: out Goob looking out man <laughs> Goob looking out would be great Right if I <laughs> Also if I was in the Witness protection program Yeah And I would look out a window Okay What's up Hollywood <laughs> um, yeah. So How uh, What film school did you go to? Oh I went to uh I like I transferred into a film school called Chapman University, but I started going to a state college where I grew up uh, for a while and then, like, got into, like, film school. But it took a while. Like, I barely – I mean, it's, like, barely graduated high school. I had to, like, take an algebra class and a public speaking class at a college to graduate. Like, I was, like, held back. And then, like, when you pass these two courses, you'll graduate. Yeah. And I'm a very shy person, so I had to give, like, a speech in, like, a community college in – Boston, and it was just a weird mix of, like, people.
0: Sounds like torture, man. I went to... uh, A little bit closer. I went to a trade school in Long Island called Catherine Gibbs for digital filmmaking, but it was, like, this place used to be a, a secretary school, Yeah, so, like... Everyone in my family would just roast me constantly because it became like a tech school where they taught like computers and shit like that. But so anytime anyone would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to this Catherine Gibbs. I'm like, what are you going to be a secretary? (laughs) Because they would advertise like crazy all over Long Island. So everyone knew it was like Catherine Gibbs, the secretary school. So I couldn't take it. I hated school, man. I dropped out. And the day that I dropped out. I went to Borders and I stole, I kid you not, 13 books about filmmaking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in
0: one shot I put them in a stack like yeah. a cartoon character and walked them out. Th- I couldn't see over the stack and I just walked out the door. You're just gone now. You killed them. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was me, man. That was that I literally I was a kleptomaniac, but that's how I got my my film education. It's a little different than yours.
1: No, it's great. I mean, that's what Werner Herzog would love that. He would tell you like you have to be, a, you have to know how to steal to be a filmmaker, you know, like stuff like They You ever hear him talking that's about true. that? That's true.
0: You have to know how to steal to do most things.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, steal it. I used to steal books, man. I used to steal crazy books. Like, we had a Walden Books in the mall and I used to go in and be like, all right, let's do this and but steal like nerdy books. Like, I remember stealing a Wayne's World, like a book that's like a noveliz- novelization of the <laughs> screenplay. <laughs> I'd steal uh, those, man, like Wayne's World and uh, Last Action Hero. Like, I'd read the, <laughs> I'd read the book.
0: The novelization.
1: The novelization, which I think were based off screenplays. I I have a theory that the the, the person hired would just look at the script and, like, kind yeah, of... basically outline.
0: just reformat it. Exactly. Just put... All you do is put quotes around dialogue.
1: But you did do a thing, like, you'd be, like, Robocop thought for a second. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used
0: to pull this scam man. When I was, like... Uh, I, think I was like 17. I was in a car accident. I broke my leg. So I was like off my feet for a long time. And right? I got like a wheelchair yeah. that my friends would take me to the mall in this wheelchair. So I was basically above the law. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, you know? really, yeah, yeah. Nobody, yeah.
0: people thought that I was like crippled or something. Anything that would, like, I could get away with anything. So I started stealing dvds mostly yeah. amongst other things but dvds were my main racket because in the dvd store they had those shelves i think it was tower records was like my main spot you know the shelves that yeah. have like the cds and dvds in them in a wheelchair you're basically just below those shelves yeah yeah. so yeah, the yeah. staff can't even really see you so i'm pulling stuff off the shelves taking out all like the uh security sensors what would and you say like
1: that out al- you stealing albums
0: Stealing mostly DVDs, DVDs, because at the time DVDs were popping, and the box sets were like sixty dollars a piece. I stole every Sopranos DVD, and then I was giving them to people as Christmas gifts and stuff. But I have a huge DVD collection now, and ninety percent of it is stolen from back then. Wow, I mean, I'm not. I guess I am kind of proud of it actually. Fuck Tower Records and fuck you, Smith Haven Mall. You never got me, (laughs) and I'll do it again (laughs) if you give me the chance.
1: Smith-Halen Mall is even does it exist still? Yes, it does. But there's no like that's the thing. I can't tell like every place you've talked about stealing from. Maybe I shouldn't say the actual mall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I stole from Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> yeah, I stole from Chess King. All businesses that are out of town, out, out of business. Blockbuster, Blockbuster. Um, not really. I definitely stole. We like, yeah, man. Like I, I kind of was a, grew I. A lot of my friends were kind of like...
0: Well, so you grew up in Boston, so you're a piece of trash.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I grew up in... I mean,
0: as a New Yorker, I have to say that. You're, I mean, I, I could smell you from here, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah. It, 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 Go
0: back to Beantown, goob.
1: I'm from uh, Lynn, so like it's 20 minutes outside of it. It's like the North Shore, and it's uh, called like... It has a nickname, like everyone says it. I hear it I hear it sometimes, but it's like, Lynn Lynn, city of sin, you never come out the way you went in. And it was just like. That's not a
0: nickname. That's a verse. That's a real verse. <laughs> 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 there's bars right there.
1: That was like, I heard that, like, at a horrible reputation, at a high heroin rate, high murder rate. Um, there's a couple cool things about it. I think Paul Thomas Anderson's father was born in Lynn. Uh, the character in the master, Joaquin Phoenix plays, he's from Lynn. They even oh, say wow. that Hal Ashby's grandfather was from Lynn. So basically, directors I admire, relatives come from where I come from interesting but nobody like <laughs> no one's successful well grant well paul thomas anderson but his his dad was successful right he was like the voiceover artist for commercials and stuff
0: his dad yeah his dad has oh, like his a, dad is from there his dad's from lynn but yeah pta is not from.
1: he's there. from here uh, los angeles yeah but yeah it's does called, he ever
0: claim lynn you think
1: no you i think mean, he
0: knows the rhyme
1: i think he does i gar- i want if i ever meet him i would be like hey yo you lynn say the lynn lynn. first half See if he jumps in. Yeah, like Lin <laughs> like a cipher. Lin Lin city of sin. His ears will perk up. And he'll say it and be like, "Aren't you Wait, you goop?" <laughs> <laughs> I heard about you. Yo, that you goop. <laughs> hey Gooby. No, <laughs> oh, Gooby was another That was another version. Gooby of Gooby goop. <laughs> I wish it was that. But like it was funny, man. No, I I had a bunch of friends that would call me like Goob, and like you know, like boys are horrible. They would just like uh, say terrible like, you know, like s- Slurs and "goo" was like the kindest thing they would call me. So
0: you're in like the top five most successful people ever from Lynn.
1: I I mean, I looked up Lynn people. There's a USC professor from Lynn. I think someone on that TV show, Amen, but Sherman Hemsley was from Lynn, but that's unverified. (laughs) That person's (laughs) probably number one. one. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever that is. If you sit back and you do scenes with Sherman Hemsley, you're a champ in my book.
0: You said you stole a bunch as a kid. Is there any other... Like crazy shit That you got into Cause I mean dude When I was In oh. In Long Island man We had It's like Suburban Lower Like you know Middle Lower middle yeah. class There's Not much to do Yeah, yeah You know yeah. what I'm saying You're gonna break shit
1: Yeah There's a lot of like My friends like They're mostly I had I had friends in Lynn And friends in a town over Called Peabody And Peabody. 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 But we call it Peabody in mm-hmm. Massachusetts. And those we you know, we used to kind of like mess around like my my friends were mostly burnouts. And my other friends like we would kind of like, you know, do shit like uh, you egg houses. You like hit mailboxes with bats. My oh, yeah. Some of my friends got into it like hitting like car rearview mirrors. You know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. I was like, man, this is. A criminal enterprise. (laughs) We need to be stopped, man. But yeah, I used to like egg houses. I almost got caught, so I stopped for like a year, but then I came back. You almost got caught egging? Yeah, 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 yeah. How? It was like the first day of school, and we had this, my friend's older brother used to like, he was like 20 years old, hanging out with like 14-year-olds. He, it, there's nothing weird about it. <laughs> but uh, he used to drive us around and we would egg houses. And on the first day of school. <laughs> Wait, he was 20? Gave yeah, that That's definitely weird. Yeah. But I mean, I guess in Lynn, there's.
0: Yeah, I mean. Probably some late bloomers out there. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't really fully matured yet, so he's still.
1: Yeah, no, he was. Well,
0: actually, like, it's just that much fun driving around throwing eggs <laughs> at shit. I mean, I don't blame him. I would do that right now, honestly. Who am I fucking kidding?
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, he would drive us around, and like on the first day of school, I remember they give you these like um, uh, notebooks, right? When you like write your name in the notebook, you know what I mean? Like the first yeah. day, you write like your full name. And then he picked me up, and then we started egging houses at, like, 8 o'clock. And I remember I I got out, and, like, I wanted to, like, run out and, like, in the driveway throw a couple. You know, it was kind of fun (laughs) to get out of the car and, like, throw two. (laughs) But when I did that, my foot, unbeknownst to me, like, stuck on the strap of my backpack, fell out when I ran out when I ran back, we took off, and the backpack was in the driveway. Oh, With, goob. Well, yeah, well, goob. Goob yeah. lost his backpack. <laughs> and they went to, I was like, my name is on it. Like, my address is on it. Like, they're going to open the backpack, and they're going to open it. Oh, you're done. Yeah, smoking gun. Chris me <laughs> my phone number, 781 <laughs> On the first day of school, no less. On the first day of school. And that would have been it for me. And, like, we went back. I grabbed the backpack as like, I'm not making stuff as the car was like about to pull in the drive driveway. So we got out just in time. But if I hadn't gone back, you know, but yeah, no, that we would drive around. Who knows?
0: You wouldn't even be here today. Probably to- <laughs> your whole life would be different.
1: I know, man. I would have gone to the tech school, like the yeah, secretary school. Would you'd still one. be goob. Yeah, 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 you'd yeah. You'd still
0: be losing your <sighs> shit. You'd be driving 14
1: year olds around egging houses right now <laughs> <Yeah, we keep laughs> that would be you traditional live we you know we, you get pulled over i remember we got pulled over and we didn't know this but my brother's like my friend's brother like um his brother was using a car to, like smoke crack out of him and like they found a crack pipe that in in the Come fucking on, yeah in the in- smoke your crack in the alley like <laughs> everybody else <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you think Bobby Brown smoked crack in an alley or in his mansion?
0: Uh, of course. I'm sure there's a few alleys in there. That'd
1: be great. If that was like just gentlemen's rules. So, hey, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, Let's yeah. go to the alley. Come on. What are, we, <laughs> what are we, savages? But yeah, so we got pulled over and I think we got like in trouble. What we got out of it. Nothing ever happened. But yeah, that was the kind of shit you did. But I used to try to go. I just watched movies. I would stay in Well, thank there. God we're white, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I because... was, it was not, it was a. It was definitely, I was one white person there. I wasn't the... It was an all white people.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's you know, it's our privilege that's got us this far in life. We can't ignore that while talking about these subjects. Man, the things that I've done. Yeah. If I was a that's black true. kid, oh my god, they yeah. would have fucking broke my fingers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cops are like I got arrested <laughs> once and everyone that I was in there with was black, every single person. Most of them got their asses beat. I ran from the cops and cursed them out and fucking yeah. like They didn't do shit to me. What is this, Long Island? No, this is in the city. This is in New York City. (laughs) I was like blackout drunk. I don't want to tell the whole story, but my friend gave me a Xanax at like four in the morning while I was... (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking instant time travel medicine. If you take a Xanax while you're already drunk, you blink your eyes, and the next thing you know, you have your shirt off, and you're running down the street from the cops... (laughs) Kicking cars, apparently. I was kicking cars. I don't know.
1: You, you know what that sounds like to me? X turns you into, like, the Bourne Identity. Yeah. You just wake up and don't know where the fuck... Wake up in the ocean, where like, like... Dude, where that's the fuck? exactly what... It, still to this day, I can't tell you what happened in between. That'd be the greatest twist of the Bourne Identity if you find out, like, he's not a spy. Just, like, they, fought, he just took his Xanax and blacked uh, out.
0: Speaking of that, you bring yeah. up the Bourne Identity. Yeah. When did the Bourne Identity come out?
1: June 14th. 2002 the same day as uh the scooby-doo movie wow yeah imagine that what a gr- what great day in cinema history <laughs> guess which movie made more money
0: i'm gonna say scooby-doo
1: yeah born Identity he made 27 million and scooby-doo made 54 million dollars wow yeah <laughs>
0: so so chris has a superpower he knows the actual release date of pretty much every movie yeah. that come out. So I'm just going to do a few. I'm not going to look these up, but if you're listening, you can play along at home. What's the website you use to verify? I use like
1: either the Numbers or like the IMDb. numbers.com Because Yeah, Numbers.com. Sometimes if you check it, check. IMDb lists the date. It had like the premiere with the red carpet after the day it came out, just FYI. So
0: the Numbers is usually more accurate. I think so, yeah. So, uh, all right, let's just say, what, when did Half Baked come out?
1: Um, uh, uh, January... Sixteenth,
0: nineteen ninety eight. I know he's right, so I'm not gonna check. Let's see, what's a random movie? When did uh, the second Jurassic Park come out? The Lost World. Um, May twenty
1: seventh, nineteen ninety seven, like Memorial Day weekend. Boom. Yeah, the first one was June eleventh, nineteen ninety three. And the, the third one? The third one was uh, oh, it's on a Wednesday. I think it was July eighteenth, two thousand and one. And what else came out that day? I don't oh. remember really what came out in July two thousand and one. I think. Um, yeah, not too much. Like What came out July 4th that year? Oh, um, Cats and Dogs and Scary Movie 2. Jesus, he can do it that way too. Yeah, I man. never even tried it like that. You can just say a <laughs> date. Yeah, Cats and Dogs and Scary Movie 2, which David Cross was And in. Scary Movie 1? Scary Movie 1 was July 7th, 2000, the year before. That's, that's how big of a hit Scary Movie was. They made a sequel and released it like a year later. Bah! Yeah, you know what I mean? They may have probably saw a rough cut and been like... There's going to be a sequel to this. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, because you that was a huge hit. That made $40 million opening weekend. It's actually a bigger movie than people remember it as. It's not... Like, well, I mean, it spawned a
0: franchise that's, of not just scary movies, but of yeah. these ridiculous parodies. Yep.
1: Epic movie. Yeah. Da- like It's funny. I remember going to see Hancock, the Will Smith movie, and there was a trailer for a spoof movie called Superhero Movie in front of Hancock, which hadn't come out yet, and there were Hancock jokes... In superhero movie trailer, like, the movie wasn't even out yet, wow. now, they're already making fun of it.
0: So they, like, made fun of stuff from the Hancock yeah. trailer.
1: They made fun of stuff from the Hancock trailer, because, like, it's just like a... It's like my friend used to call those movies, like, now that's what I call movies volume six. yeah <laughs> Like, shit like that. <laughs> that was
0: a bad era. Meet, Meet the Spartans. They're all rough, man. Terrible. Yeah, they would be, but like... But the first scary movie is probably still pretty funny. I,
1: I think it, I think it had some funny stuff. Like, I loved... Don't they do 'Don't Be a Menace' while drinking your juice? And uh, yeah. that one,
0: I mean, that's a classic. I love that when movie. did that come out?
1: That came out January 12th, 1996, Martin Luther King Day weekend. It could have been, I think it was the Fridays were 5, 12, 9, 16, 26. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the 12th, maybe the 19th. I could be off by a week. It's starting to fade a little bit, it was sharper a couple of years ago. Oh man,
0: you're getting, you're but getting
1: it's never gonna. But the problem with some of it will never go away. Like, I may be off on a couple, but there was that makes it
0: sound more like it's a disease.
1: I think it very well That's why I don't want to go to the hospital Because I think it actually might be you know I mean? Like I'm not just uh, Playing But like Yeah I started being able to do it In like 1995 And my friends or Some of the friends I was telling you about Would go in the video stores Like White Man Camp Jump Style And be like He's gonna know the release dates of this movie We'll do five dollars a movie Damn And we did it a couple times At this place called Ragu Video which sounds like it makes pasta, but it may you not. Know, <laughs> it was a video store. and uh yeah, it's an we, Italian
0: production company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I originally thought of the most like stereotypical Italian guy running that. yeah, know? so you could if you went to secretary school, you could have kept their books Oh, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> but yeah, I, so we can do this all day when I get warmed up. And then, like, I can't stop.
0: But what you were saying about Ragu video, you oh, want to finish that? Go,
1: yeah, we used to go in there and be like, when did this come out? And they, were like, and they would use, like, the Leonard Maltin guy to double-check me or something like that. And um, Leonard Maltin book, he used to write the review book. I He's
0: think. fucking right again, kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he oh, fucking did it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, The Video Hound. It was one of those books, yeah. He fucking did it again, kid. Holy shit. <laughs> I was funny. I um. So my yeah. Every like everybody in Boston, be like, oh, you should go fucking work for IMDb. Like that's like what. <laughs> that's what they
0: thought the film industry was.
1: <laughs> well, the release date. they got Yeah, they thought the film industry was. Oh wait,
0: they thought that IMDb needed someone like you to tell them when the movies came out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then my you know it's so Yo, IMDb. You got to meet this kid. He knows everything. You guys need. It's funny because I my girlfriend works at Sundance and introduced me to like this guy named colin who who runs literally founded imdb oh wow and like so you know she walked away and we started talking and my whole life all my i heard the voice of my lynn friends are like oh man when you meet the dude from imdb you should tell him what you can do right and I was like all right. so hey man you know, it's funny you have this it's website meant to be. it's what
0: it's meant to, to imdb DB. <laughs> it's
1: meant to db and i um so i finally met him and my, i was like thinking out like, like oh, I should mention this thing so like hey man this is weird but I actually love your website cuz I can I do this thing and I told him you know thinking that maybe it would impress the guy that uh founded this company and he basically said you know we have a website for that, <laughs> like, in a joking way. He wasn't. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He's great. That's but like, hilarious. Yeah, it's like why would I? Why would they need me to be like exact the, exactly. the supercomputer? Yeah, the dude eating like tacos in the corner.
0: <laughs> You're obsolete, bro.
1: Yeah, man, I am. You're
0: but a throwback. You and video stores.
1: We are throwbacks, but I think I think and
0: Tower I, Records.
1: It keeps me it, analog, baby. Analog. It, it definitely keeps me like able to log, like trends like i can see a movie come out and be like oh that's gonna come out in march just based mm. on what kind of movie it is and it just stores my memories i always remember what i did the day of most of these movies like if you like ask me like when did this come out i'll remember what i did that day without a
0: doubt what did you do the day that semi-pro with will ferrell came oh, out i saw
1: semi-pro <laughs> <laughs> see, <laughs> that's why
0: you know what you did yeah, because yeah, you went yeah. to see all these goddamn movies that is true that's what? an easy part of the trick
1: Uh, Mookie and I worked on a show called the Lucas Brothers Movie Company, and my interview with the Lucas Brothers was Nick Weinfeld, who ran the company, was like, hey, uh, Kenny Keith, this kid can do a thing where he knows these movie release dates, and they asked me Metro, and I was like, January seventeenth, nineteen 1997, and they're like, what were you doing that day? And I said, oh, I want to go see Metro. <laughs> and they laughed, and I realized it sounds like a joke, but I'm telling the truth. Yeah. I want to go see Metro. But, <laughs> but it, does, it also is a great joke. It is a great joke. yes works yeah. so every I, time. I started using it as because they're comedians. They showed me the, what the joke was. I didn't even see it. but like
0: So that's how you got the job on Moving Co. Oh, yeah. yeah it was one of the shows I wrote Which on. Which is how we met. Yeah. I worked on Lucas Bros. Moving Co. for a short time with Chris, who worked on the whole series.
1: Well, I didn't work in the first six, but I worked on like, oh. most of them.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was a fun time, dude That we was had, great we, we, I, I've, I don't know if I've laughed as much in a writer's room yeah. ever
1: That was awesome since. And there were so many people, like, in and out of that room Like, actors on yeah. the show and also in the room Who Like, in 10 years, someone's gonna write an article about that, that r- room and that cast And you won't believe everyone was well, on
0: Well, hopefully in 10 years from now, we won't have articles anymore <laughs> um, Hopefully most of Hollywood will just be on fire by then We'll just be living it out, Snake Pliskin style <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, when did uh, Escape from LA come out?
1: Oh man, I think that was August twenty third, nineteen ninety six. Either the sixteenth or maybe the ninth. See that now I am getting a little uh, foggy. But I think it was definitely August ninety six.
0: So since we stopped working on Moving Co, we worked on a bunch of stuff together. And yeah. uh, but what have you been? What have you been working on?
1: Oh man, I've been like I I've been writing scripts, features, and stuff. I just worked on. Re- I have a project like now that i'm working on that i'm gonna rewrite that is um you know it's like a
0: musical biopic musical Uh, biopic yeah that's so that's one of the trends that you saw coming
1: i like i like those movies i grew up like i saw I was a huge movie nerd like i grew up in lynn and like all i did was watch movies and i wanted to go to film school but didn't really know like it was like wanting to be an astronaut you know what i mean it's like you yeah. can't do it. Just it wasn't a, a thing I thought I could do. So I, like I said, barely graduated high school. Went to a state college, and then got f- figured out. Like when I was eighteen, I was like, "Oh man, I think I'm smart." You know what I, mean? <laughs> like, I really didn't know that. Like I was like, "Oh, I think I'm actually smart." And my mom's like, "Yeah, you, I know everyone knows that. Like you never knew that." And I was like, "Oh shit, I'm actually kind of good at school." So I started killing it <laughs> at the state college. I was like, "I'm not dumb, man. I'm smart." Cause uh, and then like I started writing for a – like a, I started fi- writing film film reviews for my uh, website for my website for my yeah the school web, newspaper website whatever film reviews and I they gave me my own column which was called Goodwin Hunting I didn't name it <laughs> I did not name it I was like whatever I so I reviewed movies I remember reviewing Rush Hour 2 as a good review and uh, yeah I didn't tr- I was like man I should actually try to go to film school and yeah I stopped writing I was working I was writing obituaries for a newspaper and then I transferred into Chapman University and like went to school school. But it took me a while, like to like start an actual writing career longer than you know and I so wanted
0: to to take. You just sold like your first
1: first feature, your yeah. Your first it, feature. It took a while. Like I always I was and kinda
0: you just wrote that on spec?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On spec. And um that's the best like it just was like you have to do that, and like.
0: And so, how long were you writing, working in Hollywood before you got your first oh, big I, sale?
1: I started. Well, I started interning in at, at, for this guy, Scott Rudin, and then I was like an office. I was office manager there, like not office manager, but I was there three days a week because like all my friends were his assistants and they were working eighteen hour days. So I would just stay there and help them out. Yeah, I were Yeah, so I interned at Rudin. I hadn't heard his name from movies. Like I remember he produced the Adams Family. And which I thought was crazy because the first thing I thought of when I started working there was like, "Oh man, did he? Was he on the set of the Adams Family Hammer music video? Like, did he make that happen? <laughs> like, I wonder whose idea was to like throw Hammer in the mix, the Adams Family."
0: I'm sure that was Scott Rudin. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: I have a great idea, MC Hammer, Adams Family—they match the pants. So bag. when is
0: the MC Hammer biopic coming out?
1: Oh man, I would, they they made one on VH1, so I'll do it again. I looked into it, you know, we looked into it and it was like, it wasn't as interesting because like, it's interesting in a way, but like, he really just basically made a bunch of money and spent it all.
0: Who else are you, would you be interested in writing a biopic about that?
1: Well, you know what? I, I'm interested in, in celebrity in a way because like I said. Oh, well, you
0: know what would be dope actually? Yeah. Fred Durst biopic.
1: Oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what the tagline would be? Like, he did it all for the Nookie. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Fred, what's the matter, man? I just, you have one of those days where you don't even want to wake up, man.
0: He could also direct it. You know, Fred Durst is a director now. You probably are even the one that told me this. I did, I did. I love picturing Fred Durst on set. You know, they're like, cut. And he's like, no, keep
1: rolling, rolling, (laughs) rolling. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is, you can't see this, but you ever ever look at like a, a making of magazine story? You see a director like looking through a lens or doing that thing with his hands. Imagine Fred Durst doing
0: that. (laughs) Just lining up a scene with his his fingers, doing that square. That's dope, man. I love seeing uh, any, you know, uh, I use this term uh, with great affection, wigger. Yeah, yeah. Gaining success. (laughs) And Fred Durst, I mean, he's not completely. but he's, I mean, Fredder's wanted to rap.
1: Yeah, he he wanted he wanted really badly He tried. Rap.
0: He tried really hard. Oh, boy, did he try. He
1: tried. Oh, that's my eyes. I could see the size in my back. Stranded in the land of the lost. <laughs> right? That was him, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: He, I mean, that song with Method Man, Jeez, I mean, his, his rapping is just couldn't be more
1: subpar. I remember I saw, I used to watch a lot of MTV, and I remember they had a freestyle with him. I Swear to God, he like there were people like jumping in the and they were in a kitchen and he he would like jump in and they're all like rap a cypher or whatever and he like was like, Oh, my turn, my turn, let me go. And he started rapping, he's like, Yeah, 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 it's like my man Chef Boy RD and just like went silent, like no, oh, couldn't do anything. It was in the show, they didn't cut it he's out. He's joking. <laughs> <laughs> He did he say, can't do that, and then he put it in the show. That's dirty. But then his next freestyle committed memory was like, "I like tall girls. I like small girls. Matter of fact, I like all girls." Like, oh, it was, <laughs> yeah, Fred, you got it. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. did that. But yeah, man, I um. Good to Look the size of my brand. So let's talk. Let's, we should rank like the
0: not what like yeah. So well, so I, what I wanted to say about white rappers is yeah, I'm just I don't know if you noticed, but yeah. white rap has become universally accepted. And only very recently. Yeah. Because it- look I used to do some <sighs> rapping myself. I have some yeah. friends that are rappers, you know. Yeah. I've rapped. I got some bars. I'm not yeah. you know, I'm not bragging, but I could fucking spit, bro.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've heard but I've never before.
0: once not been told that I shouldn't rap because I'm white. Everybody that's the first reaction yeah. everybody. Oh uh, oh uh, you're white. Uh dude. I don't know if you noticed but you shouldn't be rapping because you're white dude. Yeah. I but that's not a thing anymore. I mean, we got there's just so many G Easy, Machine Gun Kelly, Eminem. That's true. Mac Miller, Action Bronson. Uh, who else am I missing? Current white rappers. Um, uh, Takashi Six Nine. He's not black.
1: There's a uh, Macklemore, I guess.
0: Macklemore, he counts. Macklemore. I mean, most of these guys are terrible. I think Macklemore
1: was an issue because he was like the first kind of like. He said he came from an a, a upper class background, yeah, like people uh, look at like look, I'm rappers. not saying that little, uh, any of
0: uh, what's his name? Little D- or yes, little uh, Dicky, little Dicky, and I'm not saying that any of these guys are good, yeah, I'm just saying that they exist and they're fully accepted, who's
1: the best one out of them?
0: the best one out yeah. of everyone I just named you had to do action, a- bro, oh, you said action yeah, 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 I mean action is a is the I mean, oh, I said Eminem, but Eminem is in a category of his yeah. own. Eminem is a different, a, yeah, a white rapper. But
1: Action Bronson definitely has lines I remember, like um, none of those other guys do. Like the Falcon comes to my glove when I whistle, and the way his cadences—he has. Rememberable line thing, I remember so He paints
0: such a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um any
1: references action movies like grew up on like he'd be he'd be like double impact split like Van Damme. like such a sweet spot. Like we probably like the same shit. When did basically. Double
0: Impact come out?
1: Oh dude, August ninth, nineteen ninety one. Packed week, man, packed month, bingo, rover dangerfield, delirious. These are movies no one ever has ever. Rover dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, Roddy Danger- no. Roddy Dangerfield cartoon where he played a dog gets lost in a farm. But it's like he's doing the voice So it's like he's a comedian dog no respect. He gets no the, the respect uh, <laughs> But yeah he plays a dog And I was trying to I can't do a Rodney impression But it was You know Like the exact kind of jokes You'd imagine Can I get a bone You know <laughs> <laughs> I saw Rodney Dangerfield in LA Like putting His like 18 year old girlfriend Was putting money in the meters And she like kept, She was She dropped a couple of the coins and I heard him say, I didn't hear, I didn't see him. I just heard a voice go, what's the matter? Put the money in the meters. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> Ronnie? and I turned around, and he was like in his bathrobe. He looked crazy horrible. Like he just looked. He was in his bathrobe? He was in like a bathrobe, man. This Damn. was like outside maybe of a hospital. I don't know where it was.
0: And so what have you been doing since?
1: Yeah, screenwriting, um, biopic about, you know, kind of set, I guess, in the white rap world. We'll leave it at that. It's set in the early 90s. So it's about, you know, it's a music- white rap world in the early 90s. White, so, oh, well, it's rap. about me at, yeah. at age six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Wookiee Thompson biopic.
0: <laughs> Finally. Honestly, I heard that they were making a Beastie Boys movie. What happened to that?
1: Well, I heard the, that I've been trying to get, I heard the band actually never wants a movie to be made for Why? Them. They have a book coming out October 30th, Beastie Boys book, and I heard they don't just don't want a movie. They don't want a movie made, really.
0: Because, I mean, that's, that's devastating to hear. It would be awesome. Yeah. They have one of the coolest stories ever. I think
1: it's because this is speculating because Adam's not here. Yacht's not here anymore. Uh-huh. Maybe that's what he, they, but I do think that will change. I think it'll end up happening.
0: Well, once the book comes out, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. I think people are forgetting about the Beastie you Boys. gotta let
0: me fucking go out for that shit.
1: Yeah. Oh, you would be great. Yeah. You definitely Put have to. Put me in understand. it, yo. But do you think people like are forgetting the Beastie Boys a little bit in pop culture? A little bit. Yeah. I feel like that's for happening. Sure. They were, and especially now
0: in this day and age where white rap is kind of popping. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
0: what's up? But actually, like Travis Scott sampled B.C. Boys on his latest record, and it was awesome.
1: Yep. Oh, oh. That's great. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think people. I I still think they're good. I think um, they, yeah. There's like I love rap, and they were kind of like where I grew up, man. Like they got respect. Like it wasn't. They were well and liked. I don't
0: know if you know, they started as a punk band. Yep. Oh, yeah, and yeah. uh Their name, Beastie Boys, is because of the Bad Brains. They wanted BB. Yeah. That's the story I heard anyway. They also want... Uh, so it's pretty interesting that they started out as a punk band in the Lower East Side. Yeah. Transitioned to rappers and then had one of the biggest rap albums of all time. Yeah, it still was
1: a monster. I bet like it's, it was just like a pop culture... I, I barely remember it, but I remember it being, like, enormous. I got into them, like, ill communication, like, Hello Nasty era. That's when I found fell into them.
0: Um, I still like Intergalactic.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, all... That's Hello Nasty.
0: Everything they've ever put out is fucking...
1: Hello Nasty is amazing because it had so many ideas. Like, every single song had, like, so many different beats and, like, like things there. They just had, like, they were, they were just, like, so creative, the whole thing. And they and played instruments on it, too.
0: Um Eminem also obviously he his latest record is the license to ill cover. Yeah. Flipped. Yeah. Um Eminem is very influenced by the Beastie Boys. If you go back to the Slim Shady LP, like yeah. the the Cowboys song with him and Royce the five nine, oh, wow that's yeah. exactly like that Beastie Boys. What's the name of that song?
1: Which one? The uh
0: The I'm on the run. It's like the story oh, song. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Revere. It's exactly like Paul Revere.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah, d- d- definitely if You
0: really think about it, like the concept it's done a little differently. It's, I mean the style is obviously modernized, but conceptually yeah. it's really similar. You,
1: they're similar in spirit too. They're yeah. punky a little bit. They're both fu- they're all really funny. Uh-huh. Yeah, Beastie Boys were really funny. Yeah, hilarious. You know? And um yeah, I um I just but yeah, I was always in I was obsessed with hip hop. I went to like in Lynn it was like, you know, hip hop was like pop culture where like in my middle school and high school like it was just everyone listens to rap and it was a most towns in massachusetts like the one i grew up are cities they're like mostly white but lynn wasn't lynn was like heavily black heavily puerto rican like cambodian and like white kids it was just like a real like mix and was good and that's how i got into hip-hop i'm glad i grew up in lynn
0: so as a guy from boston what do you think about louis
1: Oh, you know, it's, it's funny. That's a great, so I didn't even know who, like, he was from Boston until like 10 years ago and it made sense. He's from Newton. Like most people from Boston in the entertainment industry are always going to be from Newton. And I like, you know, when I remember when I first moved to LA, I went to see my friend Anthony's like sketch comedy show. It was on like, it was actually the first comedy bang bang lineup, which I think was called comedy death ray. And they got bumped. They are like, they're going to do a sketch. And they got bumped. And I'm like, oh, I thought you were going to perform. He's like, nah, we got bumped. Louis C.K. is performing. And oh. all I knew was he, the guy that wrote Pootie Tang is a stand-up. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> and he did this set that was like unbelievable. When did Pootie Tang come out? June 29th, 2001. Same day as AI. Go on. Two legends. Um, two legendary movies. Yeah, I so I liked him. I saw that set. And then like.
0: But so obviously I don't mean like, you know, uh, and we all liked Louie. Yeah. How do you, How are you feeling now? So I just heard. Sorry. Yeah, I just heard a little piece of inside information. Louie is uh, making a guest appearance on an episode of Veep coming out. Wow. And this blew my mind.
1: They're keeping that. That's that's going to
0: be a shit storm. He's
1: dro- you're dropping.
0: A, yeah, a, that's right. Exclusive. Exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> I <didn't design> nothing. <laughs> Nobody knows about this. Actually, that's true. I might be the first person to be uh, letting this out.
1: Yeah, um, but but
0: but yeah. So nobody knows about this yet. Yeah. I heard from somebody that works on the show. I won't say who. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you, you hanging out with but, JLD yeah. or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Julia mentioned a little something.
1: Yeah, that must be crazy. That's gonna because it's funny because like well I, what, why I mentioned my intro into Louis because when I found out he was from Boston, Louis was very kind of like weird because like him and Conan and Stephen Wright, I never the kind of part. Of town I grew up in, nobody like that grew up around there. You know, what I mean, it was nice to see people like Conan actually were from Boston because, like, Lynn was like kind of rough. Like, there was nobody with that kind of like sense of humor or like mind state. So that was interesting to me.
0: But so he's gonna do an episode of Veep, which I'm just shocked because I figured Julia Louis Dreyfus is probably like a big feminist, but I guess it's pretty I crazy, mean, man. Maybe he's just so. Uh, I mean, she's been. I don't know. I'm just curious. I wonder what her perspective on it is. And I wonder also if they're addressing it because it would be hilarious if he was some kind of like sexual harassment character because he's just not acknowledging it in his yeah. comedy. He's coming out and doing sets. I don't know what he's talking about on stage. I haven't like heard exactly what his material has been like, but no, everyone's saying that he hasn't addressed the situation. Yeah. And that to me makes it feel like. You can't do that, yeah, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. can't just... We're not all just going to sit here and pretend nothing ever happened. Yeah, man. It's yeah.
1: weird. The only way I want to see him do stand-up, if, if that at all, is that take it... Do a whole... Like, a whole hour. Like, I don't want to hear your, like, airplane jokes. Like, I want everything about what that process was like and, like, how you but feel. But also...
0: Do I need to hear that? That
1: yeah, doesn't exactly. sound funny at all. Yeah, no. I,
0: so the thing is, like, the I only don't way he it, can continue is to address it, right? Yeah. But if he addresses it, it's going to be bad. That's true. Right? So I think my point is, I think he doesn't need to do stand-up comedy anymore. Yeah.
1: He doesn't need to do stand-up. Do you think, though, you're a stand-up. Don't you think, like, I'm not defending him at all. I think I agree. But don't you think maybe he thinks, like, oh, I, like... I need to do this like is he like just feeding for being on stage cuz that's what he Yeah, should, I'm you know. sure
0: I'm sure he is but he also like I feel like once you've been disgraced in yeah, some way exactly. you're also feeding to be accepted again well, and so he's going out there looking for this acceptance and as a comic, he can get that, it, like, immediate gratification of, oh, they're laughing, Yeah, and everyone doesn't hate me. Yeah, but, yeah. so I bring this up because the article came out today where he said he's been living through hell. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he lost $35 million, and people booed at him on the street. Like, first of all, you live in New York City. Yeah. Everyone boos at people on the street. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> You're yeah, lucky yeah. that people are like, hey, go fuck yourself. Yeah, That's all of our normal lives, Louie. Just because you yeah. haven't been on the street level in a while. Yeah. But, like, and he also, he said he lost $35 million in an hour. Dude. I can't feel bad for you when the worst thing that's ever happened to you sounds like a Jay-Z brag.
1: <laughs> it really does. For, like, a comedian, for a rapper, that sounds like a brag. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> lost $35 million in an hour. But I'm just saying, he, I like, I don't really, I don't think, I don't think he's that bad of a guy. He fucked up. Whatever, dude. But I just don't think he needs to do stand-up anymore. He's also
1: rich enough if you really want to do stand-up. Like, dude, take a room in your house. Oh, redecorate like a stand-up club. Call it like Louise Laugh Factory. And just do stand-up in your house. <laughs> and have 30 people just come in. Like, you don't if need you to come. really need
0: to do if it. If you need to do it, build like, your also, own It's not like anyone's taking away his stand-up career. The guy did like seven hours yeah. on, on Netflix. Yeah. We've heard, like, you're good, dog.
1: And I, yeah, I, he, he. He just needs to be famous because, like, he, he just was, you know, and also, too, he tried to come back like eight months after. It's a little quick. Give me at least like three years. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know if I want to see you again, but like, just chill out. Shave you know. the goatee. He <laughs> needs to shave you that switch goatee. Switch up the
0: image a little bit. Something about it's got to change. You can't just come out here and just start going, yeah, yeah. and then we're all just going to be like, yeah, he's back. <laughs> No, dude, it's like, look, if you found out that, let's say you loved your, your, let's say you thought your dad was the funniest, greatest guy in the world, right? And every time he tells stories at parties, everyone's losing their shit, and all of a sudden you found out that he was, like, abusing your mom the whole time, would you still find his stories funny?
1: Not really. Not really. Yeah, it would probably take on a tragic bent.
0: And again, I'm not saying that Louis should go kill himself or that the guy doesn't deserve to, like. Uh, any type of retribution but just like stand-up comedy is like your whole persona feels like it's been kind of negated it's you're not you're not the every man yeah that we once thought you were yeah
1: that's true i mean that was his whole like he used to say his show was like like season two of his show was me f- louis five years ago yeah and then it caught up to him where he couldn't do that anymore and like yeah to say i lost 35 million in an hour it's like I think I just I guess I knew he was rich, but that's way more than I, yeah. I I was shocked. And also,
0: what do you think Louis thinks about the Kavanaugh situation?
1: Oh, I wouldn't even. What do you think? I well, I
0: think he'd have to be pro confirmation because if he's against if he thinks that Kavanaugh shouldn't be yeah. allowed to be the, on the Supreme Court because of what he did, then obviously his louis's own crimes are yeah. i mean probably worse
1: they seem like they're like also to like the same age i wonder if like when kavanaugh was talking about 82 so nostalgically like it took louis back
0: yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, been yeah, that, But man. louis was doing the shit not that long ago as yeah. a fully not a 17 year old yep as a fully grown adult you
1: heard every single writer's room i have been in you would hear a rumor about him and other like people doing that in front of me just like wow it's when this comes out you just knew, like, it, yeah, we
0: heard it long before. I mean, in the comedy community, people knew about yeah. this for a long time. And I'm not time. really
1: in the comedy community, and I knew, yeah. you know,
0: so you're just in the ginger community. I am in the ginger community, <laughs> Although, but look, as like you can relate to this, as like just a, a, a working class yeah. white dude, yeah, we were gonna in comedy spend our whole careers being living in Louis' shadow, yeah, yeah, and yeah. now. We're better.
1: <laughs> That's true, man. You definitely... Sorry, dog. There's a spot open. Slide
0: over, bruh. You had your chance. You're bit, out. Man. Yeah. Mookie's in.
1: Mookie, 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 Mookie. <laughs> Mookie, 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 Mookie.
0: Uh. All right, man. Yo, Chris, that was fun, dude. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah,
1: man. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, The Goob. The Goob. Chris, The Goods.
1: Yo, thanks for tuning in, fam. Yeah.
0: It's your boy,
1: Mookie, yeah. F, Baby, Chris, yeah. peace, my man. Yeah, man. Chris the Goods at Twitter. I, I'm i afraid now every mention I'll get is like, when did Jurassic Park come out? But I'll answer because I'm
0: I'm Yeah, uh, find at Chris the Goods on Twitter and go ask him yeah. when movies came out. Oh, it happens all the he'll time? He'll get back to you within eight to ten business days.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah.
0: he will be correct.
1: People, like, when they they hear it, they shout – out the one time I was at a party and I do this for an hour, and this like woman followed me to my car and she just like started shouting movie quotes at me, <laughs> she, and they were all really generic like "Get off the bed." And
0: I was you like, ever get laid off of this? Like in the middle of sex, she's just like,
1: "When did baby geniuses
0: come out?" <laughs> I'll say no. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Well, anyway, good baby luck, with G- that ba- <laughs> baby Jesus. <laughs> Better luck next time. Chris the Goods. Thank the you, Goob. Man. I'll talk to you soon, man. You too, Yo, man. Thanks for having Peace. me, man. Now how did you start?
1: Like, getting white people to give you their girlfriend? <laughs> it's not just white people, brother. It's everybody. Hey, all black people to give you their girlfriend. Do you ever actually fuck people with girlfriends when they do that? No, never. You, you never, never have. have. Maybe one day we'll change. What you know
0: about black <laughs> men. Yo, if you want to support the show, slide over to patreon.com slash good out and become a subscriber. You'll get bonus episodes and more. It's your boy, Mookie Baby.